uh, bless these families. I want to pray for them. I want to pray for health and safety in those, with those children. God, I want to thank you for uh, bringing together Heather and Austin for their wedding yesterday and that they just have an incredible marriage. God, I want to thank you for Susie who's, who's so faithfully following you but also is going through a tough time and that you would just be there to bring her the healing that she needs and the patience and the, and the wisdom to listen to the doctors, God. And all the other things that we need to bring to you this week in prayer. You have heard them and you hear our hearts. Uh, God, finally I want to pray for the message this morning that you would keep me on track. You would keep me focused in that people would only hear what you would have them hear. And when I have a misstep or a miscommunication, that people would not focus on that. But they would actually focus on the heart behind it. And they would know exactly what you were trying to say. Even if I mess it up a little bit here or there. God, I want to thank you for how incredible you are. And how you protect us each and every day when we come to you with the armor of God. God, I love you, Jesus. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Who's had, a, who's had a good week? Anybody had a good week? You want to just, amen. God is good. I just love what God is doing in my life and in the lives of the people of our community. I'm excited about that. And so now we're going to continue our message for the summer. Again, there's lots of review, and people often say, Rick, how can you review so much every week? And the reason I review so much every week is because I'm only reviewing the important stuff, and until everybody here is fully armored up, uh, I'm going to keep repeating it every single week. And so the message for this morning uh, is called the Helmet of Salvation. So I've got my, I don't think I'll wear it because it'll be hot and heavy on my head, but uh, we'll see if this fits without knocking. There we go. So this, we're, we're using the firefighter equipment. Uh, as an illustration, as, as well as the actual armor, uh, and I've titled my message today, The Helmet of Salvation. So we're going to read the passage uh, about the armor of God, and we're going to go from there. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what have we been talking about? We're not going to review every piece of armor in detail this morning, but what we are going to review is the most important part, and that is that, number one, that we are in a battle every single day. That when you wake up, you are in a battle. That, that the devil wants to get a hold of your life. He wants to trick you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to make you buy into a lie that he's trying to sell. And that's, that's the key thing that we got to remember each and every day. So often when we think about spiritual warfare, the vision, the dream, the, the thing that comes to our mind is battling demon-possessed things and, and attacking these forces. And, and although those things do happen, that I've experienced all of that sort of thing in my life, I have realized at the end of the day, the devil never controls something physically until he controls something 
mentally. He doesn't have power over you physically unless you've given him power over you mentally, unless you've given him power over you spiritually. He has no power until you give it to him by buying into one of the lies that he is trying to sell you. The Bible says that Satan is described as the father of lies, the deceiver. And so if Satan is the father of lies or the deceiver, you need to commit yourself wholeheartedly to the fact, and we talk about the belt of truth for the fire, we call it the suspenders of truth. You need to commit yourself. You need to commit yourself to saying Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one can get to the Father except through him. If you want victory, you need Jesus. There's a lot of people out there that say, I got victory for a, for a moment. We, we, we go through this thing and we say, I need victory. And, and we look to all these things to quiet our minds, to quiet our souls, to quiet our hearts. And, and there's all these new age systems and there's these practices and there's these, these systems. And if, if you do just do this every morning or you meditate this way every morning or you stretch that way every morning or you, you chant this every morning, that you're going to have victory. And the answer, the reality is, is that's not true. You will have temporary relief. I've got a bit of a problem with my neck. I broke my neck when I was 16 years old. I've got memory problems. I've got headache problems. And uh, these things happen quite frequently. And to the point where when I spoke to the doctor, they said, you need to go see a neurologist. So two weeks ago, I went to see a neurologist. And I sat down in his office. And I said, here's what's going on. And he says, that sounds serious. I said, it feels serious. And so we had a discussion and when he finally broke it down, he said, I don't know what the problem is. But research tells me that if I give you a pill every day, the symptoms will go away. I said, but I don't want the symptoms to go away. I want the problem to go away. Because if the symptoms, don't, if, the, if you just deal with it, then I'm medicated for the rest of my life. I don't have victory. I don't have healing. I don't have freedom. I am now slave to the pill. I got to take a medicine every day. I said, I don't like that. And you know what? When you don't trust Jesus to be the way, the truth, and the life, when you look to those other things in the world to give you victory over the bondage you're going through, yes, you might have what feels like victory for today. But you're still going to have a problem. You're still going to have to daily try and come up with a solution to, to fix your, your daily problem. <laughs> because you will never have permanent and eternal victory if you don't bring it to Jesus. Because Jesus has the cure. The world only has the pill for the solution for today. The world only has a solution for today, but Jesus has a solution forever. And so I'm not saying that you might say, well, pastor, I've done this and that's made me feel better. Probably. If I got a headache, you give me a couple T3s, I will feel better. But it won't take away the problem, will it? It'll just make me feel better. And you know, somebody's got cancer and they take, they say, well, I'm in a lot of pain because of the cancer. Yeah, you give them enough, you give them enough pills, they'll feel better. I was visiting, I was visiting somebody in the hospital last week. They, uh, they fractured their skull in two places, okay? When I got there, they were in a great mood. Morphine will do that for you. They were in a great mood. They were chipper. They were cheerful. But you know what? I visited for a while. By the time the meeting was done, the pain was coming back. The joy was subsiding. Why? Because the problem was still there. 
Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And if you choose to follow him, you choose to get rid of all the other stuff that's bogging you down, you say, Jesus is my way, you're going to have victory. I'm getting really carried away just on my review. I love it. So if you commit yourself to the truth of Scripture, you commit yourself to living it, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And then to study the Word so that you are prepared for every problem that comes your way. And we talked about last time, taking up the shield of faith. You trust in Jesus, you will begin to get victory. And then we get to the helmet of salvation. I'll tell you what, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you, I was confused. I said, well, of course, at first I wasn't confused. I said, well, of course you got to be saved. But then I asked myself a couple questions this week. I said, number one, how come that's like the fifth thing they tell you to do? Like, that was my first question. Why is it the fifth thing they tell me to do? The second question I had is, I thought the letter was already to the saved. This is a letter to the Christians, those who have been saved, and, and it says, hey, Hey, you Christians, you people have received salvation. If you want victory, put on the helmet of salvation. I thought that seems odd. I thought they already had salvation. And so I began to look at it. I began to think about it. I began to search for words like salvation in the Bible and say, what does that really look like? What does it mean to put on the helmet of salvation? You see, when I get saved, it's not from works. It's from faith. And so I don't put that on. I accept that. We've talked about faith. So I said, this passage was written to the church, made of people who had already accepted salvation. Why then does Paul tell them to put on the helmet of salvation? When we accept Christ as our Savior, we are saved. Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and we are called sons and daughters of the King. Upon this eternal salvation, we are also called to be set free. We are also called to... It's a, it, it's interesting, we are saved, and then it says, you should be set free. And, and when I look at what does it mean to be set free from the old self? We are once again, we are, when we become a Christian, we are called a new creation. And yet as we continue to read, the Bible says, I work out my salvation through fear and trembling. These seem to be contradictory. That seems to not make sense to me. I'm already saved. But it reminds me of a bird. I think this is a good illustration. It reminds me of a bird. A bird in a cage. Before we came to know Jesus, we were caught. We were slaves. We were caught. We were in this cage. And when, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he gave the opportunity for that cage to be opened. And I become a Christian. I say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And Jesus reaches down and he opens the cage for the bird to fly free. That bird is saved. But now the bird has to choose to live that freedom. So I might be free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But how many people are saved but aren't living like they're saved? How many people are saved but they don't put on that, hey, I'm a believer. They are saved. They're a Christian. I'm not saying that they're losing their salvation. But they're not working out their salvation. They're basically sitting on, their, they're sitting on their backside saying, I'm free, that's all I need to do. But the Bible says just because you are saved doesn't mean that's all you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put on that salvation. It's supposed to be part of who you are. It's supposed to be an action in your life. Faith without works is dead. You're supposed to put on that salvation. You're supposed to own that salvation. And I need to be very clear this morning. I'm not saying you get saved every day. My wife said be very clear. 
that you are already saved. But if you want victory over the devil, you have to live the freedom. If you want victory over the devil, when the Lord opens up that gate, when Jesus dies on the cross and you accept that, and he opens up that gate and he says, you can be free. You don't get to sit there as you've always been living in, in your despair, in your pain, in your frustration, in your problems, in your addictions. You don't get to sit there in the cage and say, yes, hallelujah, Jesus set me free and never leave the door, never fly out and soar like Jesus wants you to soar. See, God's got a plan for you. God's got a design for you. God wants you to have freedom, but not just freedom. God wants you to have victory. And not just victory. God wants you to spiritually soar. God wants you to emotionally soar. God wants you to get, he doesn't just want to give you eternal life in heaven. That's the, that's the first save that we get. We get, the, we get saved from hell. But he wants you to live that salvation. And that means he wants you to have abundant life here on earth. We look outside our son, abundant life fellowship. Not eternal life fellowship. We, you already got eternal life. Most people come through this door, they've already been saved. They say, I got eternal life. I said, yeah, but, but God also wants you to have abundant life. Eternal life, open the gate. Abundant life is something that you can experience here on earth. I don't care what you're going through. God wants you to have victory. Therefore, my dear friends, this is again to the Christians, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God's got a good purpose. God's got a good plan. God's got victory for you. But are you getting up in the morning and working that out? Are you working that out? Are you saying, I am a believer. I am set free. I am victorious. My, my, my heavenly Father has won the battle for me, but I'm going to live the battle for him. And there's a difference between those things. This is a message to the believers, but you have to own it. We're going to have a lot of scripture this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It comes with the renewing of your mind. It comes with the working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are already saved, but you got to work your way to that door. You got to work your way out of that door, and you got to say, I'm going to renew my mind. I was reminded of something this morning, as I, this week, as I was praying and as I was studying, and it was, it was something called Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. I'm going to explain it to you, and then I'm going to explain that some of us right now are living with Stockholm Syndrome. And we don't realize that we've got Stockholm Syndrome. And I'm going to explain why I think some of us have it this morning. So way back in 1973, there was, a, there was a, a man who was out on parole. And he goes into a bank and he takes hostage four, four people from that, from that bank uh, in Stockholm. That's why it's Stockholm Syndrome. Takes, takes captive four people. And the police show up and he says, I want my buddies let out of jail. So they, they actually do what he says. They, they send... They send his friend and they bring him to the bank. Now they're both bank robbers in the bank. I don't know. They, they, they caved to the demands. I think they, the, he wanted a car. He wanted a whole bunch of money. He had all this list of demands. And uh, he got, got almost everything he wanted. 
But there were one or two things that he, that he didn't get. And so I think they were in the, in, in the bank for about six days. But there was a time during that period that they were in there that his captors actually began to appreciate the person keeping them hostage. So much so that when they finally were going to resolve this and they put tear gas, they actually at the end of this thing, they threw tear gas into this bank to kind of drive these people out. And they're yelling for the hostages, come out, come out. And the hostages, the prisoners are yelling to the police, we're not coming out. And they make a shield that they protect, they protect the people who were keeping them captive because they were afraid, they believed that the police wanted to kill their captors. Just follow me for a minute. So a bunch of people get taken prisoner for six days. The police come in to rescue them, to set them free. And the, and the, prison, the victims here are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not going to let the bad policemen into here and, and like hurt, hurt these guys. We're not going to let those evil, bad, bad policemen come in here and rescue us. And isn't it amazing how, how through the study of this they said people who've been, been captured, people who have been hostage for a period of time sometimes begin to find, a, 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 what's the word that they use? Okay, so here, I'm gonna, a condition where hostages develop an alliance with their captor. And I realize that the Bible says over and over and over that before I become a Christian, it says I am a slave to sin. I am a prisoner to sin. And here comes Jesus. Jesus comes into our lives. Jesus says, I have victory for you. And what do we do? We stand up. We say, and, and Jesus said, but the victory is going to come with a new way of thinking. The victory is going to come with a new way of living. The victory is going to come when you change your lifestyle, when you change your practices, when you change your thinking. And I'm going to give you more freedom than you could ever imagine. More joy than you can ever imagine. And we stand up and our neck is bristling and our feet, fists are clenched. And we say, yeah, Jesus, but you're trying to destroy my old way of thinking. You're trying to destroy my lifestyle. You're trying to be a party pooper when I'm out with my buddies. You're trying to be this. And we actually stand up against the Jesus who's trying to set us free. And we say, no, the captor isn't that bad. The sin's not that bad. The devil's not that bad. That new age thinking isn't that bad. It's got good points to it. How dare you say I got to get rid of the whole old way of thinking? And how many of us Christians have Stockholm Syndrome? We grew up. We learned how to appreciate the sin. We learned how to appreciate the lifestyle. We learned how to appreciate the social acceptance. We learned how to appreciate all of these things. And we appreciate the sin that goes with it. And when the go God says, I want you to be free. When Jesus, like the policeman, says, hey, we're going to throw in the tear gas. We're going to clear the devil out of your mind. We're going to clear the problems you're going through right out of your mind. And we say, no, that's a problem I want to protect. And then we wonder why we're going through such a hard time in our lives. Because God says, here's how you get victory. And we say, yes, but I've really got attached to the pain. I'm really attached to the thing that gave me the pain. I'm really attached to that way of thinking. And victory only comes when we fully submit to Jesus. Jesus can throw tear gas into your life. Jesus can do all of these things and you can say, yes, I'm free. But if you don't take that helmet every day and say, but I'm going to live free. 
I'm going to remind myself every day that I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. I'm going to get rid of that old way of thinking. I'm going to intentionally be a new creation. I'm intentionally going to put on that hat of the new believer and not the hat of the old slave. You know what's interesting about this story? Now, it wasn't one of the captors, but, but somebody was so fascinated with this story that's, that the guy who kept them prisoner actually ended up marrying one of his pen pals that he got because these women were like, he's so awesome, he's so awesome, that somebody started, and he, the guy who kept all these people prisoner married a pen pal because they thought, man, he must be an amazing guy. Look at all these, these people who protected him when the police came to hurt this, this good guy. And we do that as Christians too. The world is turning away from Jesus because we are promoting bad lifestyle. We are promoting bad behavior or we're living those things. And, and maybe, you know, we're partying and we're, we're drinking a lot. We're doing this, but we're still, we're, I'm still saved. I'm just not putting on the helmet of salvation. And our friends go, eh, what do you have to offer? And we wonder why we're living in despair. We wonder why we're living in, in pain and in sorrow and, and not having victory in our lives. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who, is, who sins is a slave to sin. We read that already this morning. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, if the son promises you victory, if the son promises you safety, if the son pro promises you hope, if the son promises you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and on and on and on, if the son promises you those things, those things are available to you. He's not going to make a promise that he doesn't keep. He promised those things to you. They are available to you. But once again, are you every day when you get up saying, I am going to live protected. I'm going to live as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. I'm going to, I might already be saved, but I'm going to leave the cage this morning. I'm going to leave my cage this morning. I think sometimes we forget to do that. So I said, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we put on the helmet of salvation? Well, a couple things about the helmet. Number one, what does it protect? Helmet protects my head. And that's the most important thing for you to protect. Do you know why? Because the devil's biggest battleground is your mind. To change your way of thinking. It's the thing you have to protect more than anything else. And that's why the Bible says you should renew your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Each and every day when you wake up, you've got to renew your mind. So how do we renew our mind and put on the helmet of salvation daily? Number one, armor up before battle. i got a hat here. So I'm gonna, I'm, we've got a funny illustration for the kids. I said every week I want something for the kids. Uh, Ryan's going to come up here and help me because he likes to play with fire. Yeah, you can come up. Just stand here, but don't be goofy. Just come up and stand here normally up front. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll get you to help me in a minute. So we need to each day be like Daniel in the Bible. If you guys remember the story of Daniel, every day he woke up and he'd go and he'd pray every single day. Every day he armored up. Every day he recognized that he had a battle he had to go into. So what did he do? He got up in the morning and the first thing that he did is he put on that helmet. The first thing that he did is he says, I am a son of the king of kings. Because you know what happens so often? We get up and we don't start our day with Jesus. You know, Jesus has to be more important to us than coffee. Who here loves their morning coffee? Well, some of you really had your morning coffee this morning. I saw those hands jittery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coffee? Is there coffee again? 
You know, we, we get up and we crave that coffee. But you got to crave that Jesus when you wake up in the morning. Say, I want to pray right now. you got to put on the helmet. Because you know what happens when you don't put on the helmet? I wrote some things. This is not supposed to be the helmet. This is just, this is my mind. This is my mind. When I am saved, I put designed, I put powerful, I put forgiven on these things. These are the things that God wants me to meditate on each day. These are the things that God has for me each day. I could have put peace on here. I could have put hope on here. Every day when I get up and I put on that helmet, I'm, I'm guarding the things that God has for me. But we already said that the devil tells lies and he, he flings these flaming arrows of the enemy, the Bible calls them. But if you don't put that helmet on before you start your day, do you know how this thing works? See if you know how that thing works. Pretty easy. So what ends up happening is most of us, we, we, we only pray when we're going through a hard time. Okay, but the thing is, here's, here's, here's God's hope for me, God's dream for me. Go ahead. Whoa. Did we get it all? All right. And all of a sudden, I forget halfway through the day that I'm forgiven. All of a sudden, I forget halfway through the day that God has a plan for my life. All of a sudden, I forget halfway through the day that I got a purpose. I forget halfway through the day that I've been forgiven, that I've been set free, that I have victory. And when I forget that I have victory, I lose. Because I'm supposed to be walking behind Jesus. I'm supposed to be walking behind that shield of faith every single day. But when I take off that helmet of salvation, when I stop remembering that every day I am a Christian, every moment I am a Christian, okay, now we're going to burn my head this time. No, we're not going to burn my head this time. But when I get up in the morning... And God says, you are loved. God's got all these plans for me today. These plans of victory. I better get it right in there so it doesn't actually. Okay, there we go. All right. Now I got my helmet on. I got up in the morning. I did my devotions. I prayed. I said, God, what's your plan for me today? Go ahead. I'm not hearing anything. Try again. One more time. One more time. Good? Okay, you can go sit down. You see, God wants me to live loved. God wants me to live set free. God wants me to live with joy and peace and hope in my life. But if I'm not careful, if I walk through the day and I'm not careful and I don't put that helmet of salvation on, I don't say, hey, I'm a believer. Hey, I'm set free. Hey, I got victory. I don't pray. I don't spend time with Jesus. I don't say, God, how am I going to have, what, what do you want me to do today? Do you know what happens? Is the devil comes along and he whispers in my ear. I saw what you did yesterday. You're disgusting. I saw what you did yesterday. You're a horrible parent. Hey, look at your kids. All oh, those kids are rotten. You should go yell at them. I bet you that would help. <laughs> or how about you see that person who's offended you and, and the devil just says, hey, they don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve peace. They don't deserve hope. And he begins to whisper in your ear and over and over and over. I just like burning things. Over and over and over. And then all of a sudden you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want victory. But you've burnt up those things. You, you, you've ruined your day. You didn't start your day because every day when I wake up, every day if I wake up and I turn to Jesus, it's like, I think i got a pen in here. It's like Jesus goes and he says, here's the deal. You're loved. He reminds me that I'm loved. And I put that in here. And then he says, he says you're forgiven. That's right, I'm forgiven. I'm not, I'm not bound. I'm not, I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave to what I did yesterday because today I'm going to have victory because God forgave me for my yesterday and today I'm going to walk in victory. And he writes these things on my mind. 
But if I don't do that in the morning, those things from yesterday, they're long burnt up. I wake up miserable. I wake up feeling unloved. I wake up feeling unforgiven. And that it becomes a spiral, this thing that just goes in circles and circles and circles. And the next thing you know, I'm living in utter despair. Because somewhere along the line, I forgot that daily practice of getting up in the morning, knowing I'm already saved. I'm not getting saved every morning, knowing I'm already saved every morning. But I get up and I say, but I'm going to put that on today. I'm going to live that today. I'm going to spread these wings. I'm going to fly out that, I'm going to fly out that open door. I'm going to soar for Jesus today. So I put on that helmet every single day. Are you starting your day with Jesus? Because you don't get to come. You don't get to go to somebody and say, hey, my life is in despair. And somebody says, hey, did you talk to Jesus this morning? He said, well, no, I didn't talk to Jesus this morning. Okay, well, that's the first step. Did you read about how awesome God, the awesome plan God has for you this morning? Well, no, I didn't do that either. Well, like, what have you done today to live like you're saved, to live like you're free? you got to start it right away. Where are my notes here? There we go. Armor up. Okay. If you're not committed, if you're not committed to intentionally about giving your day to Christ, you leave your mind unguarded against the devil's attack. And all it takes is the tiniest little flame. Ryan barely touched that thing. Barely touched that thing and boof, my hope was gone. Devil barely touches that thing. Boof, my hope is gone. Boom, my anxiety's back. Boom, I feel unforgiven. Boom, and it's gone. All the plans that God has for me, I just let them go up in flames like that. If I don't get up in the morning and say, I am committed. As much as you're committed to coffee, are you committed to the word of God? Number two, don't grow weary. Don't allow the pressures and the situations in life to bring you down. Make sure that you are reminding yourself all day of who you are in Christ. Guard your eyes, guard your ears, guard your mouth all day long so that you do not leave an opportunity for the devil to tell his lies. Guys, I tell you this all the time. I have to remind myself all the time. I tell you because I have to remind myself. <laughs> when I go home and I say, hey, what was, my, what was my Netflix history like today? And then I wonder why I'm miserable. Because I'm just, it's not that I'm watching anything dirty. It's just it's mind-numbingly stupid. And then I wonder why when my kids show up to say, hey, come play Lego. I'm like, ah, go away. Ah, where's the peace? Peace is gone. Because somewhere along the way, I lost focus. And I'm not saying I can't watch TV. I'm not saying I can't listen to music. But am I reminding myself every day of what my calling is, what my salvation entails? What, what, what comes with salvation? What that looks like, what that practice looks like. But sometimes I get up in the morning, I do my devotions, but by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I've totally lost my focus. One of the things that I've committed to do and I try and do, but sometimes I fall short on this myself, is that when my focus goes away, I'm lucky because I can do this at church, I'll go upstairs and I'll just pray for half an hour. Do you know if I spend half an hour in prayer, I can get my sermon done five times quicker. Ten times better. If I just stop. When my mind is racing, when my mind is rushing, and I just say, I need this. Most of you, most of you, if you're a farmer, you can take a coffee break when you need it. You might just be driving your tractor. You can spend time and refocus. 15 minutes in prayer. Most of us at our jobs get a 15-minute break. Take your 15-minute break and say, I need, my mind is way over here. My thought pattern is way over here. My frustration with my spouse is way over here. My frustration with my kids is way over here. My coworkers is over here. My frustration with myself is way over here. I'm going to spend 15 minutes and say, Jesus, what does being saved mean? And Jesus is going to say, it means you're forgiven. It means you're called. It means you're designed. And you're living that design right now. This is my plan for you. And you come back to work. And you come back with a passion, with a focus, and with a purpose. And finally, number three is don't be Stockholmed. <laughs> 
Get rid of anything that is keeping you from being fully committed to Christ. Ask yourself today, is there an area of my life where I'm suffering from Stockholm Syndrome? Where I'm saying, whoa, 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 Jesus, Jesus. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I don't want you to destroy that one area of my life. That's st- it's still a pretty okay area of my life. It's not great, but I mean, it's not that bad. Just like those guys who were like, okay, like these guys haven't killed us. They haven't like beat us. So they're, they're, they're good criminals. They're, they're good hostage takers. Maybe you've got, got something that you still think is a good hostage taker in your life. A way of thinking, a way of living, your social activity, your, mental, your, your, your television usage, your music usage. And you're saying, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And Jesus comes in, he's like, I got victory for you. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want your victory. I just don't want you to hurt the devil. Let's just call it what it is. I don't want you to hurt the devil in my life. I want your victory, but I, want, I don't want you to change who I am. I don't want to get rid of the, of, the, of the thing that's been holding me prisoner all these years. If you want to have victory, get rid of anything that keeps you from being fully committed to Christ. Confess your sins. Get rid of your pride and fully submit to God. The longer you allow ungodly things to play a role in your life, the more attached you will be to them. The longer I let music play the key role in my life, the harder it is to get rid of it. The longer I let TV play a key role in my life, the longer I am a prisoner to social media, the more social media has victory in my life. The longer I'm a prisoner to music, the, lo- the harder it is to get rid of it. If those, if those bank robbers had come in and, and 20 minutes later the police showed up, you can guarantee that those prisoners would have been fighting. Their, they would have been fighting the hostage taker. They would have been saying, get rid of these guys, throw them in jail, shoot them, do whatever it takes, but set me free. But the longer they were with them, the harder it was to get victory. The longer you wait, the harder victory comes. One last story this morning. When I was five years old, my dad let me smoke. That's the story. Five years old, my dad let me smoke. Different time, different time. And so I was out, I was out, with, my, I was out with my uncle. And my dad, we were, in, we, we were at a restaurant back when you could still smoke at restaurants. And uh, my uncle Dan, he was having a cigarette. And I looked at my uncle Dan being the little bit of the full of himself kid that I was, I said, Uncle Dan, what? Do you want to die? And he's like, whoa. And dad's like, son, like, Ricky, what are you doing? It was Ricky back then. Ricky, what are you doing? And uh, I said, Uncle Dan's going to die because he's smoking. And you said that's going to kill us. And so I was like, dad was like, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. That's not really polite. So I want you to try one smoke. And I'm like, no, dad, it's going to kill me. He says, not this one won't kill you. Probably wasn't good advice, but, but it worked for me. And, and so I took this cigarette, and I took a great big inhale. <gasps> and I was in the bathroom throwing up and coughing. And I was supposed to get all the pop I wanted if I tried this one cigarette. And I probably got only half a Coke out of the deal because I was basically almost vomiting in the bathroom. Do you know what? It was very easy for me to quit smoking because I only had one cigarette. I didn't protect that cigarette at all. I burned that, threw that cigarette in the garbage. Put water on so nobody can smoke that stupid thing. Why? Because I didn't have a history. I wasn't prisoner to the cigarette. But anybody here who's struggling to want to get victory from smoking, you know that it's hard. Because the longer it's been part of your life, the harder it is to get rid of it. And I'm not talking about that as a sin thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, you're sinning. I'm, not, I'm just using that as an example. Some of us have other things that are examples. And the longer we hold on to it, the harder it is to get rid of it. So this morning as we invite the worship team back to the front, i got to ask you a question. Are you living your life vulnerable to the devil's attacks? 
Or do you put on that helmet of salvation every day? I know, I know, like I said, I know you're already saved, but do you every day remind yourself what that means? Do you every day say, I'm going to live like I'm saved? I'm going to put it on. It's a free gift. I already have it. But am I going to put that thing on every day and say, I want to live for Jesus today? I want to live the life that God has for me. I want to live that freedom. I want to live that victory. Or do you wake up every morning and just go about your day, have your morning coffee, and just leave yourself vulnerable to the devil's attacks? And if there's a sin in your life, if there's an area that you haven't given to Jesus, I want to challenge you this morning during prayer time, give it to Jesus. But remember, prayer time's not just about getting rid of your sin. It's not just about confessing sin. It's not just about responding to the message. It's about responding to God. So if you're sick this morning, if you're hurting this morning, if you've got a tough decision at work this morning, no matter what it is, Jesus wants you to have victory in your life, and he wants to walk you through that. So we've got a prayer time for anything that you need to bring to Jesus, bring it to him. But I also want to challenge you, if there's an area that you've been Stockholmed, bring that to Jesus as well. God, I love you. God, there's some areas in my life where sometimes I let, I let the devil have more of a grip than he ought to. Because there's things that aren't that bad. God, I got a lot of, I got a lot of areas in my life where, where I do things that aren't bad. They're just not good or godly. God, help, help me to recognize the areas of my life where I'm protecting the devil. I'm protecting the lies. Help me to have victory. And God, this morning, my challenge is that you, right now, as we all kind of in our own minds say this, God, where have I held on to things that will make me sin? Where have I held on to things that will give me anxiety? Where have I held on to things that will ruin my marriage? What am I holding on to that I don't want to let go? Jesus, I love you, and I pray for victory this morning for everybody who's in here. Help us to live set free. In your awesome name, giver of freedom, Jesus Christ. Amen.